the uh, Ricky Smiley Morning Show, they got a segment that says they, they play songs that's going to be in your head all day long. That's one of these songs right here. Yeah. Once you hear it. Yes. People throwing rings at it. <laughs> yeah, I ain't nothing throwing gold up here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Started a sermon series a few weeks ago that we call the good life. The good life. The good life. It's probably not what you think. It's probably not what you think. Not, certainly not about living um from a prosperity standpoint. No. It's about living from a prophetic and a biblically based standpoint. We're using as the underpinning for this service Jesus' perhaps most famous sermon. And that sermon would be the Sermon on the Mount that you find in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You got your Bible. You go ahead and flip there. You know, we'll make reference to one part of a verse today. Yeah. The last two weeks we talked about the Beatitudes, how God taught us how to live. And it's contrary to what man says, those Beatitudes. I commend them to you for your hearing. I hope you'll go back and you'll listen to those messages that we entitle. We show you how to receive applause from heaven. Yeah, when is heaven happy about what you're getting? Heaven is happy when you're living according to this guidebook that Jesus Christ himself has given to us. Jesus comes straight out of the Beatitudes, those verses. Comes straight out of those verses, starting around verse 1, when he went up on the mountain and started talking to all those who were gathered there. Comes straight out of that in verse uh, they end at verse 12, and then in verse 13, he gives us a definition of who we are, all right? He gives us a, a definition. You ever want to know who you are, go to the Bible and see who you are in the Word. In the, the Word of God at verse 13, Jesus says, if you got a Bible that, that's red-lettered, that means those words are in Jesus's voice. All right. He says, ye are, you are the salt of the earth. And then he goes into further definition. And he says, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for Nothing. All right, that's a big word. It's good for nothing. But to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of me. Of me. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing. But to be cast out and to be trodden Underfoot. I'm going to stop reading right there. 
there is a definition in, I grew up with a few limited dictionaries, Britannica, Webster's, you know, those definitive English dictionaries, perhaps some of you grew up with, but now there's a whole bunch of them, all right? And there's one online called the Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary, and it takes today's isms and puts it into common heartlands or common words. And so uh, I had to go look. I knew what would happen if I went to Webster and I looked up salty. I knew what that was. Yeah, I know what it was. It's a having of or having a sodium content. You know, I, I knew that definition already, but that ain't what salty mean in our community. Yeah, salty in our community means something different. Yeah, 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 because uh, uh, salty, according to the Urban Dictionary, is when you are upset over something little. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we use this word all the time. Yeah. Oh, oh, you salt. That's what folks say to you. Oh, oh, you salt. Uh, oh, no, she was salty. Or he was salt behind that. In other words, you were upset. Well, my, if I got to have a sermon title today, like I said, Jesus' sermon turns conventional wisdom on his head. That means the things you, the world tells you you should be doing, you shouldn't be doing. So today, if I have to have a central thought, I came to tell you to be salty. All right, be salty. Yeah, I want you to be salty. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need some more salt in my life. Yeah, I need some more salt in my life. Yeah, with this simple analogy that everybody at that time could truly understand, Jesus Christ tells us about our life and our responsibility as believers. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Salt is essential. Salt is essential to your life. It is. It is. It's essential. And he starts out with something that's going to grab everybody's attention because of the importance of salt at that time in the world. All right. He says, ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the salt of the earth. And he says that that's not even open for a debate. It's a definitive statement that as a believer, oh, let me make sure I go back and put you in the proper frame of mind. Jesus in this sermon, in this sermon on the mount, was talking to believers. Believers, those folk who are in the fold, under the umbrella of belief. You already have said, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, his son. I believe that his son came, lived, died, and was resurrected for me. I am a believer. Oh, yes, I'm a believer. And he said, here are the rules for being a believer. And he said, believers, you are the salt of the earth. What, is that? what does that mean? Is that, is that heavy? Yeah, it's heavy. I came to tell you, when, if Jesus came and told you this, then it's something that requires discipline in order for you to do it. We know what salt is. Some of us use too much salt, natural salt. We do. Some of us salt our food without even tasting it. It's a bad habit. It's a bad habit. 
according to those folk who are, uh, you know, in the HR world, they say they take you on a dinner when they, you know, ooh, John John got an interview for his job. And they take you out to the dinner, nice restaurant, and they watch you. It's purpose. It ain't to eat. You can eat in the office. Even though if you do it in the office, they take you to the restaurant so they can see how you conduct yourself. The whole purpose of it. And they watch everything you do and listen to everything you say because the entire dinner is an interview. All right, from the time you get there, how you greet people, how you, how you exchange pleasantries, or whether or not you do. This is where our current generation is failing. All right, because they don't know how to exchange general pleasantries with folks. They just be looking at you. <laughs> Mom and dad, you got to teach that out of them. All right, they got to shake hands with folks, look them in the eye, talk, hello, my name is Dunhill. All right, this is what folks are looking for, for them good jobs now. If you want, you sending them to college. You want them to get all this education. You can't send them up into them folk world and not expect they not know the rules. When they go up in there and they say, hello, my name is Donnell. And then they sit you down and they watch what you do at the table. And the first thing you do when you get your shrimp, tell them don't get the shrimp. I'm, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Get whatever they want. But when they put that nice steak in front of them, don't reach for that salt before you taste it. All right, don't do it. It is a classic trope in the HR world. They want to see if you make decisions without investigating. That's all it is. If you put that salt on that food without even tasting the food, that's a problem. All right? Might not be a deal breaker, but it's a problem. We know salt is good for you. You need salt in your body for good health. Yeah, it's some, it's some medical folk up here who can validate that you need salt in your life for healthy functioning, all right? There's salt in the blood that's running through us. In fact, according to the doctors, you need salt to help keep your electrolytes in balance, all right? Not only that, it also helps regulate insulin and blood pressure when you have enough sodium in place. And when you don't, they try to give you something to help you, help you with that. When you got too much, in your system, that's a problem. Our cells need it to function properly. Isn't that amazing that God designed our body to need this need, this substance in us. But he also made that substance available for those who do not have it in their body enough to obtain it. Now, you got to know whenever that's the deal, whenever there's something you need, but you got to go find it in this world of sin, that means the one who finds it tries to keep it until you can come and sell it, I mean, buy it from them. And then they jack the price up so they can become wealthy getting something you need. Right now, you ought to pause and say, thank you, Lord, air is free. Yes, thank you, Lord. Air is free. We already see what happens with water. Yeah, they make you pay so much for water like they made it. That's the problems we have. And we, you see what happens, Flint, 
Jackson, when your water's messed up, the whole city messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you think, think it could happen anywhere under any circumstance. So pray for those. Salt, from a physical standpoint, creates issues for us. But what about from a spiritual standpoint, which is what we're talking about? From a spiritual standpoint, salt is also vital to human life. All right. And the reason why it's vital is because we live in an age when salt is discouraged in the church. Yeah, we, we don't want salt. Some people have removed the salt, the spiritual salt that we are to be from their lives. We're struggling. People don't want the salt, the spiritual salt coming around them. And that's because of what spiritual salt does in our community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk with me on now. Now, see, see, if you are living according to the tenets of the Bible, according to what Jesus says, the Bible says you are salt. All right. You are the salt of the earth, which means you carry the qualities and properties of salt with you when you go into a space. And people don't want that around them. Why is that? Well, it's because of what salt does. Well, let me see if I can give it to you a little bit better. Uh, some people would argue, and I'm standing in that line, that one of the reasons our communities are suffering so much is because of a lack of salt. We have a sodium deficiency spiritually in our community. We don't have enough salt, which is why I came to tell you that if you're a believer, yes, I'm a believer, be salty. Wherever you go, you need to be your authentic spiritual self. We are here to show other folks how to live for Christ. I want my children to see the salt in my life. Yeah, I want them to see me behaving in a manner that's befitting a child of God. And that means when I come around, everything can be everything. Oh, that's some things you got to straighten up when salt comes around. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you why. Before we get out of this sermon, I'm going to tell you why you can't just be everything and still be salty. If we ever seem excited about knowing the things of God, if we're not excited about it, then how do other people get excited about it? If we're not happy living the way that God or joyous living the way that God instructs us to live, how do you expect other people to be joyous about that or even want to follow in your footsteps? We make living as believers seem like drudgery. Like it's the way, like we like we're on the ball and chain. Even though Christ died for us to have freedom. We act like because we are living juxtaposed to the world standards. Why is it that it seems that anything you do in the church ain't fun? You, you can't have fun in the church. You got to have fun according to the world standards. And if it's not according to the world standards, then it's dull. Bland. Ha. That's the word. It's bland. But that's only because we lack a saltiness in what we're doing in the church. Nobody ever said we couldn't use things to enliven church experience. 
Nobody ever said we couldn't do that and still be living according to the tenets of God. Nobody's ever told us that. So can I tell you, salt is essential and salt is needed everywhere. Everywhere. How do I know that? Because of the next thing he said. He said, we are salt. And he said, but salt that has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salt? The question he asked. All right. And so salt has certain properties that's always present and that interacts with other elements in various ways. And one of the ways that salt interacts with other elements is the first thing you need to know is salt preserves. Salt preserves. Yeah. In fact, it's often used to preserve meat from decay. That's one of the things they used to do. They used to salt meat down to keep it from somebody. If some people know this. They grew up with that. You want to keep some meat from rot, rotting, rottening, you put salt on it. And it retards the decaying process. Yeah, so it works as a preservative. The nation of Israel was God's people, but they had lost their home to bondage. There was no salt in the community. They had come into a new land and had adopted the ways of the folk who lived there because it seemed fun. It wasn't seemingly as restricted. But those who knew how to keep the salt in their life, come in, Daniel, prospered. Those who knew how to keep the salt in their life, come in, three boys, prospered. Those who knew how to keep the connection to the salt maker continue to prosper no matter where they went and no matter what they went through. When the salt of the world tried to decay their relationship, I'm, I'm sorry, when the decay of the world tried to, to mess with their relationship with the, salt, with the salt maker, it didn't work. It didn't work because God preserved them. Help me with this right now. God is trying to keep us in the midst of a decaying world around us. But we keep on allowing ourselves to adopt the methods of the world. We keep on trying to act like the world. Which is why I came to tell you today, if you want to continue to prosper, you need to do what? Be, be salty. Be salty. Let, let, me, let me see if I can make it a little bit plainer for you. All right? Christians in America have, I think, helped present, prevent some of the worst atrocities that could have happened, I think. Now, some of them, under the guise of Christianity, have done some of the atrocities. But those true believers, those true believers, those true people who understand what mercy and grace is, have helped us to be as well as we are right now. Yeah, not always getting attention but it's those people who exercise true Christian principles that have blocked some of the worst things that could have happened to us. We're wrong to believe in our community that the only way we prospered is because black folk did everything for themselves. No, no, no. It's some solid believers who knew that treating black people a certain rate was wrong. And because they stepped up and helped, under the guise of their Christian principles, we have come out 
better than we would have without those salted people in our community. Yeah, salt preserves you. Salt can keep you and can protect you. Salt can make sure that the rock that's around you doesn't take you out here. That's what salt can do. Anybody in here agree with me that the world left to its own devices is a rotten place to live? So if it's a rotten place to live, how do you keep the core principles that we believe in intact? How do you, and not only that, how do you teach them to another generation? How, how, how do you teach them? We got this thing that we talk about all the time that we call tradition. We say it's a bad thing. I disagree. Anybody in here got a favorite restaurant? I do. I got a few of them. Hard for me to make a list. But there's a reason why I go to this restaurant, Pam. The reason I go to the restaurant is because they're consistent. Yeah, every time I go to that restaurant, the dish, if I have a favorite dish, is consistently what I like. Yeah, I can order that dish and I have an expectation that I'll get the same effect that I got the first time, all right? And so I do, I'll go back and revisit it. In fact, if you go enough, when you come in the door, they say, hey, Donnell, when you come in, why, I like that. Yeah, you want your usual table? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that table. Yeah, and they sit me down and I have an expectation that things will go according to a certain plan. You know what? I like that that's preserved. I do. I like that whoever it is in that organization fights to keep it that way. Walk with me now. It's the same way with your church. There are certain things that are expected when you come up in here. I know I see people do it all the time. They come home for Christmas and they come home for vacation and they have an expectation that there is a consistent product put out at 7600 Division Avenue. They expect when they come in here. But in order for that to happen, we got to do some things traditionally. Yeah, we got to do some things that they expect there's going to be a, they expect there's going to be a, a decent word put out when they come. You know, it may not, it may not be your word every time you come in, but consistently there's a word. There's a consistency in the music that comes out. They trust this. And as long as we can keep that preserved, then the Lord has consistently shown favor on this church to keep it growing. But if we started removing all of those things and people can have no reason to expect, well, I don't know what I'm gonna get when I go up in there. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm gonna get a word that's gonna help me or not. I don't know what the, what, I don't know what the choir was doing. When people start getting uneasy about the product that was coming out, when people don't get a good feeling about the leadership of the church when there's nothing preserved when people aren't being salted in leadership then rot from the world can get in and tear down some of the traditional systems that we have and people don't trust that 
And so we have to consistently have people who are willing to make the sacrifice, to do the things that have to be done. And when I say consistently, I'm not just talking about these past years that I've been, I'm talking about long before Donnell ever came on board. Because there had to be something here when I got here. There's got to be something here when I leave. If you expect that your children will go off to college and then want to come back and worship in a place of, 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 of divine reception, you gotta, you gotta do something to make sure that happens. You gotta help preserve that way of life. That's what salt does. Salt con consistently does that. Not only does salt preserve, salt, salt also penetrates all the stuff that's wrong. You know salt will go through uh, steel. Some things in life feel like a steel vice around you. But if you got someone in your life who is salty, they can come to you and help you understand that there's nothing impenetrable, impenetrable. There's nothing that can't be dealt with with the Lord on your side. The scripture says there's nothing too hard for God. All right? When I think about steel, the first thing that comes to my mind is this is really hard. But there's nothing too hard for God. We have the ability as believers to penetrate the sin and the darkness that's going on around us. We do not have a problem in our community that salt can't help deal with. I'm here to tell you right now, one of the reasons we've got problems floating around this county, this community, across the world is there ain't enough salt in different places. And because of that, there's rot around everywhere. Yeah, and you see the rot manifesting itself every day on the evening news. Nobody got there to salt this house. Nobody got there to put salt in this child's life. And because of that, his thinking or her thinking has eroded and now is just part of the world system. All of it has to do with whether or not we are salting the next generation the way we need to. And I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, we are not as salty in this community as we need to be. We're not penetrating the community like we need to. We're not salting, preserving the next generation like we need to. We are more than conquerors, which means there's no war that's out there that we can't deal with. Not only does salt preserve and penetrate, tear down all those world systems we come into, salt also purifies. So even if there is a space that seems to have gotten out of hand and is rottening, salt can come in and clean it up if we're willing to be there in the first place. Oh, 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 oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, look. Let me see if I can read it to you like this. Salt water is brought in on the battlefield. It's not a whole lot of things that you can use when there's war going around, when people are being harmed. But if you got a little salt and some water, you can at least help just a little bit, just with some salt, some salt water. And I ain't talking about a whole lot of salt. I'm talking about them little packages of salt and put it on the wound. That's going to help maybe keep some of the disease out, help keep it come just a little bit till you can get more help. I'm here to tell you right now that we simply need to get more salt in some places because it can cleanse the sores that's in our family. Oh, oh yes, yeah, some of us got some sores in our family. 
We got some sore spots in our family that we don't want to talk about. Yeah, we don't we don't want anybody salty to come and, and deal with them because then we say they preaching to us. Yeah, that's what you need. We need some preaching to our lives, to our families, because it's going to help us clean some things out. I'm not one of those preachers who believes that every preacher knows everything about it. You can't. There's some issues that you need professional help with. All right. But I liken that professional help to being part of the cure. All right. Part of the cure that helps salt away uh, some of your problems. I also need you to know this. We have influence in the community that we don't always exercise. When I say we, I mean the church. We have influence in the community that we don't always exercise. In fact, that's one of the tragedies that I see today, that young, there's a generation that does not believe the church is helping to solve the ills in our community. There's a whole generation that believes that. And if that's the case, that means that the generation before has not been as salty as it needs to be. We've allowed too many systems that do not help to come into play, and they found, we found that they're lacking. There's a place for business practices, but there's also a place for Christian principles. And we're letting those Christian principles not be putting, be being put into our community as it should be. And I'm so, I'm so saddened to see that sometimes kids just need to know somebody loves them. That's a core Christian principle. Not only that, they need to know that somebody will come see about them. That's a Christian principle. That's the government's job. That's our job. Homeless people, that's our job. We keep pushing all these things over onto governmental systems. And can I tell you, they're lacking in a whole lot of ways. And thank God for the people who are Christians that work in government, or else you may never get them doing anything. That's simply how it, it's not how it works. Salt promotes thirst. In other words, when you see people around you who are salted, it makes you want to know, what are they doing? Yeah, is, is that something that I can get a part of too? Can I become a part of this? That's why we were told, go ye therefore. Because as we go, we promote a desire among people to want to be more like us if we're living right. If we're living right now, we're just coming in name only and not in principle, then people don't follow that. But if we're coming in actual practice, then it promotes a thirst for folks to want to be like you. We create a thirst for knowledge of living according to the word of God. When he is foremost in your life, you can help others desire to be what you are, starting at your home. When you truly practice Christian principles in your home, it's going to make your children want to be like you. If you do it, if you do it. Now, I'm not saying they don't get to a place that they make their own choices on some things because that's true as well. But even our kids who make decisions we don't like have picked up some principles that we do. Oh, yeah. And you can go back and say, I know how he was raised. I know how she was raised. And that's why we say from Proverbs, train up a child. It doesn't say that child won't ever get into any space or make any choices you don't like, it simply means when he's old, at some point, at some point, what was put in him or her is going to materialize. 
and come out. The salt is already in him. It's just a matter of cleaning or cleansing whatever needs to be cleansed. Not only that, I love the fact that salt provides flavor. Provides flavor in your life. I saw yesterday, I read an article, very timely, somebody who's very high profile in the world, in the world, but particularly in the United States, in the sports community. And he gave a tribute to a teacher. This man is in front of millions every night on TV. I'll tell you what it is, Charles Barkley. For all the craziness that Charles does, he does, he does. But let me tell you something, he wanted the, he wanted the true athlete that if you meet him in public, he's going to holler at you. He's not going to push you away, he's going to take a picture with you, he's going to do all that because he knows his bread is butter. He knows that. But anyway, it's the stuff behind the scenes, the salt that he's doing behind the scenes that don't nobody know about. Yeah, and yesterday I saw that he, on a show this past week, he gave a tribute. He was actually upset. He was, in, he, was, he, was, he was mourning the death of a high school teacher that he had. And he said, this man made such a difference in my life. What I'm hearing when he's saying this is I'm preparing my message is salt. I'm hearing salt, all right? This man was salt. He enhanced the flavor. Not the millions, not the adoring fans, but the man who was in his high school class. I mean, high school, who taught him in class, and it just happened to be James Robeson. He's on national TV talking about a teacher from Leeds High School who blessed him. He said, this man made such a significant difference in my life. This is Counselor Jay Robinson's fault. His funeral was last week. And on national TV, Charles Barkley, who could list how many dozens of people who have significant note in our community? How many NBA players? How many folk he knows? How many presidents he's come into contact with? And he says, a teacher. A teacher from my high school salted my life in such a way that it has helped me to be who I am. That's why the Bible says that, I mean, not the Bible, but the news article also said that Charles, during the, during the pandemic, Charles Barkley gave $1,000 out of his pocket to every teacher at Leeds High School. Because he said it got hit so hard. He did that. He's given, they say, over $50,000 in individual scholarships at Leeds High School. He's given over $3 million on scholarship in that community as a whole. Salt! Salt has a way of producing change and flavor in your life. When you do it, and it does not tell you, I'm here, I'm doing this, it simply intensifies the flavor. When you take some salt that I talked about at the beginning, and you put it on whatever item you're about to eat, as bland as that device, I mean, as that food was, the salt does something in it. But the salt doesn't say, I'm working. The salt doesn't say anything to you. It simply does its job to you, and it enhances the flavor. And that's just not a physical thing. That's a spiritual thing. When you, believers, get in a space, you ought to enhance the flavor in it. 
in your job, if it's hell going on every day, what you do? Because your presence authentically ought to help put more flavor in it. If it's nothing but your silence, it ought to enhance the flavor of it. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, that's the hard part. Because people don't want to be seen on the outs. That's the hard part. Yeah, but you got to learn how to enhance the environment you find yourself in. Salt promotes thirst. Somebody going to shimmy up to you one day and say, I want to know, when everybody else on here acting up, how is it that you are always able to be quiet? You don't never say nothing. That's thirst. That's somebody saying, I want to be like you. I want to know what you got. Perfect opportunity. Not for you to pull out the Bible and quote a scripture to them, but simply tell them what happened to you. How it is that your relationship with the Lord allows you to be quiet under those circumstances and before you know it, that's you and that person. And then before you know it, somebody else is going to see the two of y'all not saying anything. And, and one of the people who was acting up is gone now. And, and before long, the whole atmosphere has changed. But it's because you were quiet and did not add anything negative to it. So salt does all these things. But the last thing I want you to know is salt can also become nothing in a space. This is hard. The reason salt can become nothing is because we allow too many things to be added to salt and diminish our ability. Let me see if I can give you this little history and you'll get it. All right. Salt at the time that Jesus is teaching is one of the biggest commodities there could ever be. All right. In addition to flavoring food, it was also used because of its worth to pay Roman uh, soldiers with. All right, they used to actually give them like a pound or a certain amount of salt. All right, they were given this salt for themselves. But the Latin word for salt is sal, S-A-L, sal, all right? And when they got this salt money given to them, the soldiers referred to as salarium. Salarium. It's the word that we use as the base for the word salary. Salary. And so when Roman officials would get paid a regular pension, they would be given a salary or salarium. The English word salary comes from this Latin word salarium. That's how you get your salary were today. But dishonest merchants, when they were paying people, dishonest merchants would take the amount of salt they had and they would mix it with fillers. Right? Which means you would be getting the same weight, but not the same value. They would, they would give you something that weighed as much so you thought you get it but it actually had no flavor to it because there wasn't enough salt in it to make a difference. Somebody needs to understand what I'm saying. Right now, the reason why we're struggling is because we got too much filler in our salt. 
And because we got so much filler in our salt, salt has lost its flavor and doesn't have the effect that it used to have. We got too much stuff that's being taught, but it ain't changing folk lives. It ain't helping folk. It's not guiding people. It's not supporting people where they need to be supported. And because of that, salt has lost its flavor. And that's why we're not making the difference that we need to be able to need. We need salty Christians who are willing to make a difference for the Lord and in the lives of others, which means we got to come in quietly and do our work. We don't have to announce every time we going in and support somebody. Just help folk. And watch the difference that it makes in their lives. Unsavory salt, salt that's lost its flavor, is good for nothing. That's not just in a physical sense. That's also in a spiritual sense. When you put too much filler in your life, you say, well, well, Rem, what is it that's too much, too much filler? You know what the filler is in your life. You know what you add to your worship experience. You know what gets more attention than your relationship with the Lord. Those are fillers. And they're taking up more space than your walk with the Lord. How much are you personally growing in the Lord? Come on now. How much are you studying and learning more about him? How much are you actually spending time teaching your children about the Lord? I'm not talking about say your prayers. I'm not talking about that when it's time for bed, say your prayers. If that's the only quality time you're spending with the Lord or say your grace before they eat. Now, I mean an actual time that you spend teaching them who Jesus Christ is. I can tell you right now, before we ever put kids in the pool up here, they've already understood who Jesus is from your house. That's how it happens. And the same is true for you. Before there's ever any conversion of anybody becoming a member here, they've already made the conversion in their hearts. And that's because somebody has salted them in a way that makes a difference. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, we need folk to be more salty. A saltless Christian, if that's even, you would say that can't even be possible. But Jesus Christ says it can be. It says you can be a believer in him and ineffective in your discipling because of how you live. Because you live in a way that diminishes the saltiness in your life. Do people question you when you say you got a church? When you say, I'm, oh, I got to go home and go to bed because I got to go to church in the morning, they say, you go to church? Maybe you got too much filth in your life because that should be no question. Clyde Beverly used to say all the time, I know y'all hear me talk about him, that's my, our former pastor. I said, my, our former pastor. He used to say all the time that you shouldn't be in a conversation with somebody longer than five minutes before they realize you're a believer. It says something in your deportment Something in your conversation ought to tell them that you believe in the Lord. Now, I thought that was strong. I mean, a five-minute conversation and somebody, but the truth of the matter is people ought to see it in you. You know, whatever period of time it takes, people ought to see it in you. And one of the clearest things that they can see 
is how it affects your household and how it affects you in spaces in the community. I, I, I know these conversations are hard because they're teaching. I'm not here to make you clap. I'm not here to make you cheer. I'm here to make you better. I want you to understand that you have got to walk this walk. And it's a hard walk. And people get mad at you because you still try to do what the Lord wants you to do. But you can't worry about what folk want. You can't worry about how folk deal with you. You got to still keep on being the authentic self that you are. If you're trying to do it for folk, that's filler too. So I came to tell you right now, narrow is the way that the Lord is asking us to write, to walk. Not only narrow is the way, but there's a way unto man. It seems like it's the right way, but the end of that way is destruction. And I came to tell you right now that Jesus Christ has provided a way for us. Not easy, but it's worth it. Watch this. There's a gentleman named Andrew Murray. The Bible says that Mr. Murray lived an abundantly spiritual life. We probably would have looked at him and said, oh, that's a hard life. But let me tell you how he salted his family. People who came under his influence tended to start living lives that were similar to his. From his family, those people became the greatest examples of the kind of lifestyle Mr. Murray lived. Of his children, five of his six sons became ministers, ministers of the gospel. Four of his daughters married ministers themselves, all right? Ten grandsons became ministers. Thirteen grandchildren became missionaries, all from one man. One man, and I would imagine his wife as well, because of the lifestyle that they lived. The greatest expectation you can have for your children and for your family to live well is by the way you live. Are you willing to make that step? And the only way you can do it is to be salty. Jesus Christ came along, can I tell you, and showed us how to live a salty life. Oh, he showed it. It was hard. It was hard for Jesus, but he did it. He's the only one who did it without spot or blemish. But even in his circle of folk, can I tell you, even in this circle of folks, Cedric, the people who followed behind him every day, the people who ate with him and talked with him and laughed with him and entertained with him, even among that group, there were unbelievers. Right there in his core group, there was one who heard every story, who ate every meal. They even trusted him enough to carry the money. And even in that circle, there was somebody who said, I can't do this. This is too hard for me. I don't understand what's going on. People around you will see you living right, and all of them might not understand it. But that doesn't mean you don't keep on walking the walk. That doesn't mean you don't keep on talking the talk. You've got to be salty in this community, and we need you. I need you. We need you in this church. We need you. If we expect to grow and continue to draw people, then we got to have more salty people in this church. I'm begging you, salt your household. I'm begging you. Salt your job. I'm begging you, salt your family, not just your children, but your extended family. I'm begging you to be the neighbor in your community that's salty. I'm begging you to be the one that everybody else looks to as an example. And I promise you, your, your neighborhood is going to start getting better if you provide the example.
Jesus Christ is our core example. How do I know this? Because he was willing to sacrifice himself for the cause. He loved us enough to not only teach us, but to show us the way. And the Bible says that because he was the way he was, they killed him for no other reason. For no other reason. He wouldn't change. And so they got rid of him. And the Bible says that on one Friday, they crucified him. In fact, it was so hard for them to accept that Jesus Christ was the way that they chose to take someone who absolutely was not the way and free him instead of Jesus Christ. That's how hard this walk is. Jesus didn't say anything. He took what they gave him. The Bible says he stayed on that cross one Friday, six hours. Six hours he was dying. Six hours he was thinking about you. Six hours he was praying for you. Six hours he was praying for the folk who were convinced that he was wrong when he was the way. And then on that sixth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, they say, he hung his head and gave up the ghost. And they took him down off that cross. And they put him in a tomb that would not belong to him for very long. And the Bible says the greatest, greatest victory we have is that God the Father did not let him stay in that grave, but resurrected him from that grave and put new life in him. And that's the victory. That's how we know that living the way God and Jesus Christ showed us how to live works for us. And if we do it, we too can have the victory that he had resurrected him. My question to you is, have you ever accepted that as your own personal life? Have you accepted the fact that he died for you and was resurrected for you? If you haven't, well, then today is the day I, I offer you an invitation to accept his gift of eternal life. All he asks is that you believe while our welcoming committee comes forward. Those of you who are here who want to make that declaration today, we invite you to please come right now. If you've never found a church family that suits you, the opportunity is here for you right now. Be salt.